Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. It's our 86th episode. In this month's podcast, we're going to look back at the Spine Challenger South Race, which Andy and myself competed in just over a week ago. As both Andy and I competed in this event, I thought I'm going to bring in a guest presenter to interview uh, us rather than me speaking to Andy about it and also bringing in my experience. So we've brought in the only person really who's fit to do this job, which is my dear wife, Jane. You may have heard Jane on past podcasts, and she's my long-suffering wife. She's also lived through her experience of the Spine Challenger South Race because, again, she kind of met me a number of times. She was at the start. She saw, well, she saw all the pain and the glory at the end. So, um, yeah, if you've not already done so, do go back and listen to our pre-event chat, which is on a, a podcast uh, last month. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to hand it over to Jane. Jane's wine since you've been on the podcast. It is. This is a long time. Uh... Thank you for having me back. Are you ready to live the spine nightmare? I know, we're going to go through this again. Hope you're ready, boys, for the grilling. (laughs) And and I said, that's you, Andy. Andy, you're you're quiet on the other side of the table. Andy, here we go again. Yeah. Again, (laughs) spine again. So, over to, I'm going to sit back. Um, My wife's going to take control of the podcast. Uh, I know she's doing a good job, because she always will do. So, over you, Jane. And, um, yeah, we're here. Are you ready? Ready. So I'm going to take you right back through the pain, the glory, and get over the finish line of the podcast. So let's go back to the start. So for those people who don't know what on earth we're talking about, we're going to talk a bit about it. So maybe we'll start with you, Andy. Can you tell us a bit, what is the Summer Spine Challenge of South Race? Yeah, so the race that me and John took part in, if anyone doesn't know what it's about, it starts in the village of Edale at the start of the Pennine Way and we travel 108 miles north and it finishes at the village of Hardrow. We have 60 hours to complete it in. It has a total ascent of 5,451 metres or if you prefer it in feet, and it does sound more impressive, 17,883 of ascent. So during that 60 hours we just have one I would say official um, checkpoint where we get the rest if you require at Hebden Bridge. So that's just 46 mile in so you get to that checkpoint you can get some hot food, bed down, sleep if need be, showers and then the only other official checkpoint they call it the one and a half checkpoint is at Malenton, which is about 84.5 miles up the route. And that's really a checkpoint where it's like a safety check. Make sure you're okay, get a cup of tea, get a hot drink, fill your water, and you're there for about half an hour. And you do this all self-sufficient. You, you can stop at shops and things on the way, but you basically are carrying everything with you that you need. So that is what the Montane Southern Challenger is all about. So it's a tough race that you're doing, isn't it? You know, you're you're completely on your own out there, no matter what the elements. You're carrying your food, you're carrying your water, you're carrying your first aid kit. You're you're out in the elements and you're self-sufficient the whole way along. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like a lot of other, there is other events out there of this sort of length where there'll be a lot more checkpoints, you know, people meeting you at drink stations, etc. But really, the whole idea of this race is to make it a tough race. They call it the most brutal race, and there's a few different races that they do within the event, but all of them are tough and all of them the same. You've got to carry all your kit, all your safety kit, everything's with you, and you have limited checkpoints and as you rightly say we had every weather thrown at us this year we had sunshine we had rain but we'll discuss that as we go through yeah. the race but it was literally I, i've never seen anything like it <laughs> during the, the time of the year the weather was just it was just strange as could be wasn't it so. and it's the, i think the up and down on the pennine way i mean i know a lot of customers out there have done the pennine way before but i think we're so used to maybe even in northumberland we do a high climb we start at the bottom we climb to the top there will be a few ups and downs but I think on that Pennine Way, to me, there seems to be such a short space of distance and you're up and down, up and down, up and down. So that constant elevation and descent is, is quite tough. So 108 miles in total. They give you 60 hours to complete it in. I'm going to go to Andy first. How far did you get? So sadly this year, um, I got approximately 65 miles. So I've done probably about 11,000 feet of ascent and descent so that was 65 miles i got to the village of if i've pronounced it correctly lothersdale or lothersdale lothersdale i think you pronounce it isn't it not sure do we know the pub that's there the it's way. called the Heron hounds in that i do know yeah. Pub's name. yeah so yeah 60 um 65 65 miles and not bad at all and john how far did you do? Uh, the 108 miles did the whole route in 52 hours and four minutes in total. So I did the whole of the route. Um, yeah, fresh as could be. Oh, I beg to differ. <laughs> I was there at the finish line. Well, I, th I think you both did immense. I think the fact that you actually started it, which is more than a lot. I did a lot, more than a lot. In fact, there was one competitor who didn't actually start it, who was at the start line. And, and yeah. then we got over the start. So the fact that you both actually did I think just getting to the start for everyone taking part in all yeah, the events is... There's a, there's is, a lot of prep yeah. in it. So let's go right the way back to the start then. Well, actually, we're going to go back to the day before the start because that's the day you have to go and register. Uh, so I was there as well because uh, I, I was the backup crew. So we arrived on the Friday uh, back at Edale in the glorious car park there. You turn up, you get your, your kit checked out, it's Friday afternoon, so exactly what, what did you have to do? Maybe we'll, we'll go to John for this oh, bit. Okay, first. kit check, the famous kit check, the, uh, they say the most brutal kit check I've seen online, <laughs> but not only the most brutal race, the most brutal kit check. So you may have seen Andy's videos he did for YouTube, uh, we're going through the kit, so a case of... They, you take your bag, um, again, usually within a box because you, you have to unpack it um, or take your, your, your entity of within the bag, uh, it, what you're going to put in your bag, um, and, you, um, and, and they randomly go through. So according to your race number, do get you to randomly get things out of there. So for me, it was, I can't remember, you know, head torch, first aid kit, uh, map, um, water, uh, woolly hats and, and various bits and bobs. They randomly go through that. Um, I, I, I thankfully packed, uh, sorry, passed, uh, unpacked my bag. Um, and it is, it's a bit nerve wracking really because you, you're all there ready to go and you've got to make sure you've got everything uh, double checked and, and everything has to meet certain requirements. So it's just not a case of a waterproof, it's got to be a waterproof up to a certain standard. Um, and again, uh, yeah, they, they take the time. Once you've got that done, 
Um, you actually get your photo taken. So the famous mug shot that you see with the, uh, the, the, the logos behind you, you get your photos uh, taken. Um, and then the following morning, they actually fit your tracker. Um, you actually get your race number on the Friday. And then on the morning, we drop off what we call our drop bag, which is the bag that we will see at checkpoint one. Uh, which I, we can put kit in and, and, and clothes in and then uh, um, also on the on the Saturday morning they put the tracker onto our rucksacks they just put it on there with a bit of tape it works actually works with a mobile phone signal and then they tell us to walk around the car park and make sure it's comfy because we're going to have it on for quite some time so we wander around make sure it's okay they're happy to adjust it if not but they're pros at this they've done quite a few of those over the years so yeah that was it I think it was it was hot Andy wasn't it it, it was, was hot, hot, there, hot yeah when we were checking in but, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there and it goes really smoothly and quickly. You think you're going to be there for ages, but they're really, they're thorough, but they're quick at the same time. And I think I'm the same as you. I had a similar sort of amount of stuff checked. Depending on your numbers, I know last year when I did the year before, they checked everything just because of what my number is. But they'll just pick things at random and it's really smooth, to be honest, though, isn't it? It was good. It was good. Good to see got through. Good. So... Good evening. You had a peaceful evening, leisurely evening. Rested up. Well, I was staying at me and uh, my friend who were taking me with down. We were staying at a campsite just down the road. Um, it, the campsite was fairly quiet, but I think you're wanting that really nice sleep. And there was a bit of noise that you're going to hear through canvas of a tent. Not anyone being particularly rowdy, just people chatting. But luckily, my, ne- my friend and neighbour who had taken me down, we have the use of a camper van with an awning so initially we were sleeping in the awning it was a bit noisy went in the van shut the door well insulated it was silent so to be honest you know yeah it wasn't in a i was in a camper van on a comfy bed and it was a nice sleep yeah i was quite happy with the sleep i got we were in our premier in chain we were in luxury in luxury with air conditioning yeah <laughs> and an eventful meal and a <laughs> Uh, we won't go on about that, but uh, we've got a free pudding out of it, so <laughs> well fed, well watered, and well rested. Yeah, I think I was asleep by just after nine o'clock, wasn't I? I think I dozed off, and uh, yeah, I was quite, I, I was quite relieved actually because I, I was kind of thought maybe have a restless night, but no, slept like a log. Because uh, it was an early start the next morning for you, wasn't it? Yeah, because really, I mean, you start on the race at eight, so if you haven't dropped your kit bag off, which we haven't, because some people want to take last things in and out, and you've got to go and get your tracker anyway. Really, they want you there sort of half six, seven o'clock. You don't want to be doing it last minute. So, yeah, uh, a fairly early start just to make sure you've got your kit bag dropped off and uh, got the tracker fitted. It was quite frightening because it was so warm, wasn't it, that night? Because we, we were joking, we, 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 um, we thought we were going to wander into the town, but we got to the hotel where we were at and it was just so hot, wasn't it? And we kind of going, I hope it's not like this tomorrow because we'd absolutely destroy ourselves. So, uh, yeah, well, it was... We woke a- up in that morning and it was still warm but it wasn't as warm you had a bit of cloud cover to start you off didn't you yeah so the morning actually was a lot cooler i know we're going to talk about how that changed but yeah that was a a nice pleasant surprise because i was probably the same as john thinking when we were going to bed this is going to be hard tomorrow if it's like this you know it was a roasting friday wasn't it it was mid i would say it was mid 20s on the friday so we take us to saturday morning race day so it's an eight o'clock start. I know we were there pretty early on in the morning. Kit bags checked in for the drop-off point. We get you to the stars. We're in yeah, the car I think, park. Yeah, I think we got there probably similar time to yourselves, about quarter past seven, seven o'clock, something like that. Kit bag in, they just check. You've got a certain weight for your kit bag. They always give you a look up. Mm, is that the right weight? But yeah, kit bag in, um, tracker fitted. 
and then we're all just sort of milling around waiting for that moment when we all walk over to the the field to line up in the field next to the village hall i'm gonna put in here Wherever my wife goes, she makes <laughs> friends. She talks to oh, everybody. <laughs> so by the time I got my kit bag off, come back, she's made friends with the people in the car next I to us. Who, by the way, had bought a GPS for ourselves, which was always quite a good starting point. And now, yeah, I think you're chatting to her all the time now. <laughs> so. She now knows me as Mrs. GPS Tracker. And we talk all the time. And what nice people they were. Yeah. We so. kept each other company through the whole weekend, but... We'll talk more about so that the later. famous Spine family even spreads out to the followers of the Spine races yeah, as well. Absolutely. Well, I, I, well, see, that's what happens when you talk to people mm. and you're nice, but nice, nice couple, definitely. So we get you over the start line. The, the, the countdown's happened and you start off. So this is your race morning, getting you onto checkpoint one, which is at Hebden Bridge, which is roughly about the 46-mile mark. This is the first part of the race that, that you're really concentrating on. So Andy, maybe if we go, we stick with you for the first part and your first part of your race and yeah. how that went. So how did it feel starting off from that start point? How were you feeling? I mean, to be honest, I was a lot uh, better prepared, I think, than the year before. I felt in a better place. And actually the, the start, I mean, the first bit's fairly straightforward. You're running up through the village and we haven't got an awful lot of climbing, but we have Jacob's ladder fairly early on. And you know, at the end of the day, we've trained for 108 miles. We've trained running up and down hills. We know there's hills to come. It's not going to be an easy ride. But I think when Jacob's ladder appears, we all go, oh, there's the first hill. Got to get this out of the way. And I know last year, it was quite tough going up that first hill. I always find it takes me quite a bit to sort of get warmed up with anything I do. You know, whether it be short runs, long runs, long walks. But actually this year, going up Jacob's Ladder, it, it, it's a tough old climb, but I actually felt really good. I knew I wasn't going to be the fastest. I was near the back of the pack, but people in the distance weren't too far in the distance this time. I did catch up to some people early on. And at the end of the day, to me, it wasn't about speed and necessarily catching up with people, but it does give you a bit more confidence that everyone's not disappearing in the distance. So actually getting up that Jacob's Ladder felt good. I was confident. I know it's only early on. Um, we've mentioned about the weather. Well, it was, don't get us wrong, it was quite humid still going up there. I was probably the same as John. We were in shorts and T-shirts. You know, and it was still hot. But yeah, no, I felt good getting up there. Weather, I was pleased in the morning, even though, yes, it was hot. It wasn't as bad as, as we thought it would be. So you get that first hill out the way, and then, you know, you just start knocking off the miles, really. And to be honest, all of that getting up to checkpoint one, um, apart from the bit near checkpoint one, which I'll come to, all felt good this year. Um, I was feeling a lot more confident, and you, you know, you're keeping an eye on times. You, you know, you've got in your mind because we, you know, because I've done it before. I knew where I was at places last year. I knew what my speeds were, so I had all the data on me, the watch I was wearing, so I could see that information, and I was quite pleased with what I was seeing. So it gave us a lot of confidence. Um, Getting to that checkpoint one, I think the only thing, um, I'd come off Studley Pike feeling really good and then John will know we sort of climbed down a bit and back up and then the last few miles of that checkpoint one is horrendous, it's just like a never ending climb up through, it's like going up steps and stairs and winding through houses, um, it's not an easy climb so at one point after Studley Pike I actually had, uh, I was on my own for a little bit. I had caught up someone and then they'd left us. 
and I could see lights coming behind me because you know this time it was dark for me and the lights were getting closer then further away and then closer and eventually there's a few lads caught us who were doing the the slightly shorter the, the sprint one and they were I think in general were going to be a lot faster than me and they'd actually commented how fast I was going and that I was going a really good pace for doing the 108 miles and they'd struggle to keep up with me and looking at the watch then and talking to these guys I thought I was actually going to get the checkpoint one in about 1.30 in the morning which would have been tremendous I know that didn't quite happen but I knew I was going a decent pace I think it's just that last bit before checkpoint one is a flipping killer and that did be in a little bit but you know you're getting to checkpoint one which is great so what time did you get into checkpoint one so checkpoint one unfortunately the 130 didn't happen you'll see i mean if you look at me times and anyone was tracking us up i did have a bit of a slow down after that studly pike and it was that long last climb so it was about 3 25 in the morning which i've got to look in context to what that was the year before because i had that in my mind what happened the year before and where i got to and i needed to be faster um, I've just actually checked my times there. I couldn't remember off the top of my head, but last year I got to checkpoint one at, um, what did I did write this down? It was 5.45, 6 o'clock, something like that. So I was way ahead of last year. So yeah, 3.25, um, got into the checkpoint. I can't say, I, you know, I was happy with that. I think I'd said to John on the podcast that we'd done before, I was aiming, I was thinking three o'clock realistically. Anything earlier than three would have been a bonus. So I wasn't far off that three o'clock um, to come in. Good. And what did you do when you got onto the checkpoint? What happened then? I sat down first. <laughs> Put my feet, took my shoes off straight away. Um, no, I mean, the staff are lovely there. There's people there 24 7 waiting for you to look after you. What can we do for you? Is there anything we can do? Um, because I knew I'd got there so much earlier and last year, I had a feeling there were showers. I knew there was beds, but I didn't have time to use them. So the first thing I'd said to the, when I got there, they got me a drink, which was a lovely hot drink. What would you like to do first? And it was, you have got showers here, haven't you? Wow, you have. Hot shower. I actually had the hot drink and then straight into the hot shower, change of clothes, which was brilliant, you know. So maybe 20 minutes or so, 30 minutes, shower, changing clothes. So that was the first thing. Come back after that. I thought, actually, I'm going to have time for some sleep here because, you, you know, last year, that was my problem. I didn't really get sleep. And I thought, I know I'm behind you. I'm not the fastest. I need to get on. But I am a lot earlier than the year before. Let's see if we can grab a couple of hours sleep. So I might have spent about 10 or 15 minutes just sorting out a few things in my kit bag in readiness for the morning, you know, like swapping a few clothes out. I knew my trainers were soaked through. And if I wasn't going to be there for too long, they weren't going to dry. So getting the new trainers out wet clothes into some bin bags just to go away um i carried one of our goal zero power banks in my bag which is great even though at that time the checkpoint isn't very busy so i could have found plug sockets i thought if i'm going to go to bed i want my phone for an alarm my phone needs charging to be honest the other kit i used um that i took didn't really need charging so really i just made sure my phone was on charge and then with my nice clean clothes on um and then went up to bed and actually lay on a bed on a quite a comfy bed and not many people in the dormitory. It's a, um, it's a scout hut, I think, isn't it, John? It is a scout hut. Yeah. 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 yeah, so they've got bunk beds and that. So I had a, I think it was about two, two hours. I think I hit my snooze button maybe once when the alarm went off. So maybe getting on to nearly two and a half hours sleep um, before I came back down the stairs where all the staff are still there. Amazingly, that they're just there through the night for you. 
Um, he asked me if I wanted some food. I hadn't actually had some food before I went to bed, so I had some hot, massive bowl of hot porridge covered in jam. Had the porridge. Um, got myself changed into John, though, because John went out in the... He's going to talk about this in some not-so-nice weather. It was still a bit iffy, the weather, so I put some... Rain, you know, waterproof trousers on and rain jacket, and really just finished sorting my kit bag out, which is mainly, to be honest, food. Just sorting out what food I was then going to carry, ready to go. I probably took a little bit longer than I should have with, I think, sorting out my bag. I need to be a bit more organised food-wise and things. Um, but I left. Um, I'm trying to think what time I left now. I must have been there about three hours fifty something like that. So I think I left about quarter past seven. Whereas last year. I mean, the checkpoint closes at 8, but because we were there so late, they give us a little bit of leeway. I was looking last year. I don't think I left that checkpoint till about 8.20, 8.30. So I know it doesn't sound a lot being an hour and 15 ahead, but bear in mind, an hour 15 ahead, I've just had two hour, two and a half hours sleep I didn't have the year before and a hot shower. And that was me on my way at about quarter past seven. Good. Ready for the next section? Yep. So... We'll stop, we'll stop Andy's story at that point and then we'll go back to John and we'll see how the first part of your, uh, from the start to checkpoint one went. Mm. How did you do? Yeah, it was all right. You know, I, I'll be honest, I, I, I'd reckoned it beforehand so I kind of knew what was ahead of me. Um, it, it was that, that section, even though it was, it was a section of two halves for me. I, I went off at quite a good pace um, and actually there's quite a few runners still around me not that I was running but I kind of kept up so on the hilly sections I could actually was catching up a number of the runners and then they would run off when they were on the flat um, and, and, and yeah the first you know the first 15 you know 17 miles I felt really quite good quite upbeat about it and I was mid-pack I thought yeah I'm, I'm feeling really quite good about it coming up to 24 miles is one of the road crossings which is where I did my first recce to you know literally the three or four miles before that you know I was like 21 miles in at this point I, I was actually quite beat up about the whole thing I felt quite fed up um I, I didn't feel good I felt quite you no know, like I don't know I think because I saw these runners just disappearing into the distance and I was a bit demoralized but as I climbed up to that road crossing 24 miles there was a lovely van there waiting for me, not waiting for me, but there was a van with teas and coffees and various bits and bobs. Uh, and I saw that was really, that was a turning point for me on that walk. I kind of got myself a cup of tea. I think I've learned I'm totally addicted to caffeine. I can't last for any <laughs> period of caffeine. Had a cup of coffee, had a can of Fanta, sat down, changed my socks, redressed my feet because I put tape on my feet before I walked just to kind of cover me any blisters. And I literally sat down for about 15 minutes and I knew the next section was a lot easier. I knew what it was ahead of me. And I, I, the, the second half, I felt absolutely great. You know, it was amazing. It was that 15 minute regrouping, you know, just reassessing, having teas, coffee, well, I had a cup of coffee, some pop. I went off and I felt really good. And that evening walk into checkpoint one, I was on a dream. I was like, it was a great place. There was some of the, and he's already taught, there was another race, a spine sprint race. The, the leaders came past us. It was an, a lovely summer's evening. Um, and he talked a little bit about those climbs into Hebden Bridge. Um, <laughs> In my mind, they were actually worse in their mind than what they actually were. So I was mentally thinking, oh, horrible. I'm not looking forward to it. And I know Jane had dropped me off for one of my recce's. And then we, we, she kind of had seen the, the hills and she went, this is just evil, this. So actually in my mind, that was so actually when I got to them, 
um, they weren't as bad as I, I, I remembered. And also I came across a, quite a few of the runners at that point who were struggling with blisters. People had gone off too fast. So I actually overtook a number of people coming like the literally three or four miles before checkpoint one, which oh, it sounds awful, kind of builds your, builds your spirits up. Um, uh, and yeah, I felt quite good. I did actually a live YouTube or live uh, onto Facebook at that point as well. Um, and I actually arrived into checkpoint one at you know, half past 11 at night, which was exceeded all my expectations. I was hoping to get in at you know, half 12, one to arrive at half 11. I was just, I was over the moon. So I kind of felt quite good. Very similar to Nandy. And I got in, I kind of, I, I kind of got, I, I'm quite good at reading my body. I'm quite good at understanding what my body wants. In my kit bag was more pop. So again, kind of pop shower was, was fantastic clean clothes on i've learned in the past when i've done these events to eat before i sleep so i went into the canteen um and, and the friend that we met at the start the, the lady's husband who jane was chatting to her he was in checkpoint one arrived there so he recommended the uh, the soup because uh, it was very salty so it gets on that area you know replenish it He's quite fast, I think, though, isn't he, Jane? He is fast, yeah. <laughs> so he's a lot faster than you. Know. So uh, he was there. It was great. Uh, great to have a cuddle with him at you know, early hours of the morning in the nicest possible way. And he reckoned, he's like, "Go and get yourself this soup, and if you eat it and ask for more." So I went into the canteen. It's actually quite interesting. This actually, I went into the canteen, and, and there was a bit of negativity in there because there was a few people were dropping out at that point. And I, I'm not, I'm, I don't like surrounding myself with negativity. So I kind of quickly ate, quickly hydrated myself, got out of there because I, I don't want to hear people's excuses of what's happening. I'm not. I, I need to keep a positive mental uh, mind. And then when it got a bit of sleep, um, I was hoping to get an hour and a half. I literally got you know less than an hour of sleep. Um, got up, uh, another can of pop, another cup of coffee, uh, reoccurring theme, and then I was on my way. It was quite great. This, I, I know it's the next stage, but I left at um, just after three o'clock. And actually, just as I was heading out to checkpoint one, I met Andy coming down for checkpoint one. I kind of knew. I, I, as I left, I said, I said to the people on checkpoints, "Where's Andy? Andy?" Yeah. I said, "Oh yeah, it's just he's not far away." I said, "Say hello to him if, he's, if I don't catch him." As I was walking up. Um, and I've got a nice story about that anyway. Um, I, I, I quickly said hello to Andy as he was on his way I th- in. I forgot it. I heard you. Yeah. I could actually hear you talking to the I was people. Talking to, yeah, I was talking to that, that people. And, uh, and I was, I was, I was, I was a few people, because there were a few people ahead of you. As I was heading up, uh, I kind of could recognise Andy, because it was dark. Uh, I, went, I could hear, I said, Andy, yeah, oh, great. And I wish you massive encouragement because you were so far ahead from where you had been the year before because I'd lived that journey with you. I was kind of over the moon. I, went, I was over the moon that you were you know, good three three or four hours ahead of where you were. I, went, I was over the moon. I thought, and it's like, good, good first checkpoint one. Uh, so yeah, I, f- I felt good. Um, yeah, it kind of changed a little bit as I left checkpoint one. But anyway, we'll go into that. But uh, yeah, the first half was uh, uh, two halves. Um, yeah, I, I felt really good. I felt quite positive about it. I spoke to my mentor a little bit, um, a great friend of mine who I, I, I walk a lot with. Uh, he was texting you as well, Jen, as well yeah. as me. So at this, um, this point, this very good friend of ours is constantly texting me, messaging me. And he also said that he'd sat his children down the, on the Friday evening to tell them what was happening. And as he told, was telling them, he started to cry. <laughs> and they were saying, well, why are you crying, Dad? And he, and he was just so emotional over the whole thing. 
um, he couldn't help but cry, mm-hmm. um, which, which I thought was a lovely thing. And, and I think from what you're both telling us, I, th- I think we're realising that it's not just a physical race that you're going through, it's, it's very much mm-hmm. about the mental side of it as well. So it, it's lovely to hear that those words of encouragement are coming not just between you, but also the people on those checkpoints as well. Mm-hmm. It's a really important job that they do. And that's part of people, a guy called Paul Eden, he's done a lot of my longer walks with me. If you've listened to the other podcast, he, he walks a lot with me, great, great friend, nice. To actually work with Paul, actually works for Newcastle United now. Of all things, he's actually a, a, a trainer and he's, he's he's very very good. And all the time leading up with the race, if you want to chat, John, give me a call. Give me a chat, give me a call. So actually coming down into checkpoint one, it was like eleven o'clock at night. Uh, I gave Paul a quick ring. I didn't have much power left on my mobile phone. Gave him a quick ring. He kind of gave me a bit of a, a motivated speech of what I should be doing and how proud he was of where we were or where I was. Um, so it was really good because he's, he's a good friend. We actually went to see him last weekend. He did his own little challenge, big challenge actually last weekend. So we saw him yesterday on Saturday. So yeah, I had a, a, a bit chat with him, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was quite pleased. It, yeah, I kind of adapted, kept myself going, read my body, and and got in there with with no blisters, um, and, and and fed and watered, not much sleep, but. Yeah, and then away again. At what time did you leave the checkpoint? Quarter past three, just after three o'clock. I was aiming to leave at three, that was my aim. It was nearer ten past three, quarter past three. People don't know, they do also check you on their way out, which slows you down. So um, just make sure that we don't uh, dump any of our kit into our drop bag. Uh, they they make you seal, make you get your bag, seal it. Uh, they then um, uh, make you seal your drop bag, take that away from you, and then do a random kit check again before you head out. So again, I was hoping to get out three. There was a couple of other people who had kit checks in front of me, uh, and they slowed you down. And there was like a few things they asked for, like things like my waterproof, but like they were tight hard. Now I've got very small packs and not a lot of space to get things in and out, so it slowed me down. Uh, but anyway, that that was the way I was. I was I was away past my my second kit check, and off I went again. Good, good. So you're both through the first checkpoint, both feeling good at this point, and you're on your way again. So we go from checkpoint one onto point, checkpoint 1.5, uh, which takes you up to about the AC4, AC5 mile mark. So Andy, we'll, we'll carry on with your story. So at this point you're feeling good, you're carrying yeah. on. I'm just going to um, continue on something John mentioned there, and you both mentioned encouragement and people sort of whether it be from the staff, other competitors. Same as John, I was getting messages coming through from the family. My daughter was sending me messages because I sent them a few photographs of where I was on that first day. And I think one thing John mentioned um, there about seeing other people and realising, I mean, I know I've always said I'm not going to be the fastest and I'm not going to be near the back, but the fact I did occasionally catch up with people, I missed one thing out on from the early bit. After that road junction Johnny got to, there's another junction where we have Nicky's famous burger bar. And when I got to that burger bar, I remember last year there was virtually no one around. It was much later. This year it was nice. There was people not just who had caught me from the um, the event that had started a little bit later. There was people on the Southern Challenger there. I got chatting to people. So I think it does give you a bit of confidence, you know. I've got to just mention also, you know, the guy I passed on that section, which was a guy, there's a, a as, as we've not discussed, but there is another event called the Science Sprint, which is a race checkpoint one. And I was coming um, about, I would be about 35 uh, odd miles in and uh, I passed this guy, this was at seven o'clock in the evening with his rucksack on. We, like we all put our numbers on our rucksack, but he didn't have his number on. So I, I, kept, I saw him the distance in the nice place where I kind of hunt these people down, thinking oh, I'm catching up, catching up. I caught this guy up. 
And I said, where's your race number? Because I thought, why would you be out in the Pennine Way at yeah. seven o'clock at night? He said, oh, I'm not officially doing the race. I said, all right, okay. So I applied to the Spine Sprint Race, but I got turned down for it. So I'm just doing it myself anyway. So this guy had gone out and I, I massive amount of encouragement for him because I thought that's, that's the kind of thing I would kind of do. You know, if somebody says to me, can't do something, I'll go and do it. Um, so it's really good to see him. He actually had hidden some water in the, in the, in the roadside um, as we're coming down. Yeah. Uh, so he stopped there to get out. And, and mm. as I came down, I actually passed some spine staff and I said, you better give that guy a big pat on the back because I, I love things like that. No, story somebody says you can't do it just get up and go yeah, and do it anyway yeah. and he was starting to struggle bless him i hope he finished he, he he had he'd started the same time we had even though the spine challenge was a little bit later um he started 15 minutes earlier uh, and he was starting to struggle so fingers crossed he got to the end but imagine arriving at the end at you know early hours of the morning without a checkpoint you know yeah, i don't know if his wife was meeting i don't know what was happening i thought i, I love i love people like that you know it's That's really amazing. it's quite humbling really isn't it, it is. so uh, it's so important. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but yeah. So just going back, to, it's just encouragement from people. And when I was at that Nikki's Burger Van, which is about 33, 34 mile, maybe a bit further on, there was a lovely guy I met there, Mark. Who he was the guy who finished with about twenty minutes to spare. I'd actually met him the year before. So during the first parts of the race, I had caught up with them a couple of times. And when I'd got that Burger Van bar. I wasn't in there very long and he'd only probably left 10, 15 minutes before me. So it did give us that encouragement. You know, there's people around us. I'm not way, way at the back, you know, which was great. So because when I left that checkpoint one, um, I knew I had a bit to do to catch catch people up. But, you know, you're, you're further ahead. You're feeling fresher. And I came out of there feeling good, to be honest. Um, John came when I forgot when, when I was coming down, I had my head down because I know John said it didn't seem as bad as he thought the last few miles into checkpoint one it did to me it was horrible <laughs> I flipping hated it I was cursing the whole way up I, I remembered it from last year and it was no it was no better so uh, and it's a bit of a climb back out of the checkpoint again isn't it, it? Is. But actually because you know you've had a shower you've had a sleep I actually felt good coming out of there I remember coming in thinking oh no I've got to come back out of here but actually it was all right now John had it apps I know John had it buttoning down because I came in in that rain and I could hear it when it was keeping me awake a bit when I was trying to sleep but when I left, it was starting to ease off. I did have my waterproof on. I mentioned that before. My bottoms, but I'd only got like five minutes in. And people have seen on the track, I, maybe I stopped for 10, 15 minutes. I had to take all my waterproofs off. I was <laughs> boiling. So that was half seven in the morning. It shows you how, you know, I felt hot, you know. But I was going at not a bad pace. So I think I went off on that first 10 mile okay. And then the sun came out and it was just boiling. And... I'm, you know, I don't normally mind heat. I had loads of sun cream on. I'd actually put sun cream on twice on that second day. I'm really careful. I thought, I can't afford to be dropping out of this because I've got a little bit sunburned. How stupid would that be? I had a Sahara hat on with, the, you know, the neck bit, sunglasses on, loads of water. Um, I was carrying a lot of water. I think I, I had at any time, I had three litres of water, you know, if not a teeny bit more. So constantly supping the water. Um, but maybe 10 mile in, 15 mile in, starting to get into the afternoon and just with the heat, I was starting to tire a bit. Um, we came, I came to a checkpoint where it was a couple, I'm sure there were mountain rescue staff where, it's, so it's not like an official checkpoint, it's one of these emergency stops because I think they knew the water was so low in the streams and we weren't able to stock up from the streams. There was a couple of, I think we are maybe looking for some of the stragglers like myself and I sat down there. So this is probably... 
I would say maybe four o'clock in the evening. So bear in mind, I dropped out about a half six or two or three hours before I dropped out. I got a hot drink there. They said, anything we can do for you. I came out of that, um, I'm not going to say checkpoint, but that emergency stopped feeling good again. But then I was, as I started going again, I was just, I was getting to that. I don't know, starting to feel a bit sickly. And, you know, like, maybe you've been in the heat too much, but there's only, there's only so much, you can't shelter from it. I've got the right clothing on. I'm covered in sun cream. I've got a sun hat on and sunglasses. And I was just starting to feel that I need some energy. I've got loads of food. And it's a strange feeling when you know you need to eat some food. You're not being sick. You feel a bit sickly and you're putting food in your mouth and just can't swallow it. I don't know. It's a funny... I've not had that, you know, other than when you've had a tummy bug, I've been, you know, pooly pooly. To this, it was just maybe a bit too much sun. And I sat down and thought, I, I, I can't give up on this. Um, let's just have 20 minutes rest. Set me alarm for 20 minutes on my phone. Um, me and John haven't mentioned that. What the organisers do... If you want to stop for a rest and it's going to be more than 30 minutes, you've got to ring them for emergencies so they know they're not worrying that something's happened to you because they're tracking you. So I didn't want it. I thought, well, I just want 20 minutes, set me alarm, 25 minutes, felt good again. And then I get half an hour further and the same feeling again, trying to eat food, only a little bit going in and just not able to eat it. Stomach starting to feel a little bit bloated, so, you know, a bit gassy. Um couldn't explain it really. Um, so basically, I got to um, I got to Lothersdale Village, which is about the sixty four mile in at about six thirty. Now at this stage, it was we knew the rain was coming in. We'd been warned that it's going to be heavy showers. So I'd got my rain clothes on because it had started raining a bit. Um, sat down on a wall opposite the pub and thought, "What am I going to do? You know, you've got forty four miles to go. Um, if you kind of take food in." and you kind of get energy in, you're not going to be able to continue. But I thought, I kind of, you know, you know, I, I remember my friend, uh, I'd had a chat to Paul, who me and John know, and Jane, the Mountain Rescue in Northumberland, Paul Freeman had said, I don't want you dropping out unless you can't put a leg in front of you. I was feeling fine, like body-wise, as in legs, you know, not, not really, considering, you know, you've just done 60-odd mile, not really feeling sore, no blisters on the feet. It was really just that energy from not getting food in and feeling sick so i'd sat down for a good 15 minutes i phoned julie my wife and had a chat and she said you know you've got to do what you feel right you can't put yourself in any danger have a sit down for a bit see how you feel so i did you know 15 20 minutes i actually started walking from the pub john and jane will know you know where the pub is and you you walk back onto the pennine way and um i've got a tearful here it was just i had to turn back around i thought if I'm going to go up in the hills, um, it's going to be unsafe. It's kind of climb out of that area as well yeah. as you climb back up on it, yeah. So I thought, I've got to get back on the road for safety if someone's going to pick us up. And yeah, so that was it. It was sad. I think it's quite a brave decision to make because I can imagine the turmoil you're going through when you really want to continue, but your body is just not going to let you do it. And I have to commend you on, on making that decision because... It's not an easy decision to make. I think when in your mind you really want to continue and you don't want to stop. And I think when you've had that pressure put on you, where somebody's saying to you, "Don't you stop if you, you know you unless you can you physically can't put one foot in front of the other." It's a lot of pressure yeah. to put. I know on that they didn't mean it like that, but I know you know. And I think it's, it all you, plays in your mind though when you're yeah. feeling down at the time. Yeah. But it's letting you. You feel you're letting yourself down as well. You've done so much training. You've given a lot to it. You know, you're away from family training. 
you think such a stupid thing it's i think it's when you look back and think i mean positives have got to be again you know no blisters you know there's times when i got hot spots on my feet and thought i'm stopping now i'm going to tape my feet i don't want blisters you know 65 mile no blisters we'd had rain and sun legs not even feeling that bad i mean i'm not gonna lie you're feeling a bit tired but not like you know not like in the past if i went a few years ago and said i'm gonna walk 65 miles and legs are gonna feel okay there's not a lot you can do with when it's something inside you like you know like the fact i couldn't take food on um so we have the you know obviously the numbers to ring the safety team but it's one of those i sort of knew in my head when you ring them you can't really ring and say even though they did say what do you want to do you can't say well i'm not able to eat and i'm feeling sickly and they're going to say well we want you to continue see what you can do they're going to say you know we really don't think you should continue it is your decision but if you're saying what you're saying is happening potentially you've had a bit of sunstroke or drunk too much water maybe even you know um so unfortunately it's that you know what i think once i've made that call i think they wouldn't have been very happy if i'd said oh well actually i've just rang you for a chat i'm going to continue you know because i don't think that would have been safe you know to end up then away from roads and then suddenly collapsing because you something's happened you know because i didn't know what was going on with the body really and i, I know i hadn't been sick but it was that <clears throat> feeling of nauseous you know so you made that decision and you're raced up there so what what happened at that point then how did you you finish the race how did you yeah, so bet i mean i was lucky enough to have a good friend a neighbor of ours uh, mike who lives next door to us and um, come down with me to take me down and then you know stay down at campsites in the area ready for the finish you know not everyone has the beauty of that so don't get us wrong the organizers aren't relying on you must have someone to come and pick you up they basically when you've made that call and they know where you are they'll say to you have you got any means is there anyone nearby who can pick you up so i knew i had the friend who you know fair enough wasn't just within a few miles but make that call first but they left it with me that you know they were either going to ring me back if they hadn't heard from me in sort of 10, 15 minutes off for me to ring or text them just to tell them what was happening. They're not just going to leave me sitting there and assume I've got a lift back. Otherwise, they would then organise because they have so many people dotted around in mountain rescue. But I understand, you know, I'm not ringing with a life threatening injury. Yes, I'm not feeling well and I can't continue. If you've got someone who can come and pick you up, they're happy as long as you tell them that. And what they actually do, they put down that I've retired but they leave my tracker on for their own safety as well so they could see me moving in the car so they would have seen all our wrong turnings as we didn't quite take the right journey back. Um, so yeah, it's then head back to the finish, which is where your kit bag is and where, to be honest, we were staying anyway. And then you go and meet the, the staff at the finish who check you over, ask you some questions, really. They just want to make sure you're okay. And staff were lovely and they did say, you know, we were only camping in the campsite next door. Said any time of the night you're not feeling well, you know, we have medics here, come down and see us and come and chat. Us. Don't just sit up in, in, in your, your tent and camper van, you know, come and see us. So that was it. Um, did you go to see them or what, what did you do? So when I got back, um, first got back, they sort of had a bit chat to me, asked how I was feeling, just looked at me symptoms and that. And I mean, they did say potentially it's just been a bit of sunstroke, too much sun. I know the lady said I was looking very flushed and, and hot. Uh, you know, and there's only so much you can do. I go back to, you know, you're covered in factor 50, hat covering my head. I mean, it's so hot though, it's difficult to put. I did have shorts and short sleeves on maybe it, it, you know you're never going to know maybe you know exactly what it was i could have just had a tummy bug feeling a bit unwell you know that does happen um 
I have a feeling um, I maybe had had a little bit too much water. I know, how, you know, when I look at the water I'd drunk, I think there's a lot more than other people. And I think just that sipping, sipping got a bit too carried away. And I think that gives me an idea about the stomach feeling a little bit bloated, possibly. Um, I've read, I mean, I knew the dangers of drinking too much and I know it would be very serious if you go past a certain point and luckily I haven't done anything like that, but it was probably a mixture of that and maybe a thought for in the future, just the food I take. It was similar food to what I'd had the year before. That doesn't mean it's right. Some of the food I was eating, I just it didn't appeal to us on the day. You know, it was hot. Different food might appeal to you on a different day. So I found it hard with the food I was carrying. And I needed that energy from the food. And if you can't get that energy in you, you can't continue. But yeah, no, so when, you know, going back, when I got to the finish and my neighbour and friend had taken us in, you know, they ask you some questions, check you're okay. They don't just send you on your way pack and they want to make sure you're okay. So, yeah. Right. So we know that you're safe. You're back at your campsite at the, at the finish line. Uh, and I know that you stayed there to the end of the, the yeah, the so we yeah, so we um we we stayed um there. I'm trying to think what time I got. Yeah, because that was it was the next day, of course, for John. So we stayed there that night. Um, the next morning we came down. Um, actually went to the coffee shop up the road, had a cup of coffee. I was again, I was feeling a little bit stiff in the morning, but you're thinking I don't feel too bad. I was a bit sickly in the morning. I must admit, I had a bit of breakfast in the morning, then didn't feel well. So something still wasn't right with me. Told me. Um, felt a bit nauseous again uh, after breakfast. Had a cup of coffee later on in the morning. Wasn't feeling too bad. Again, I went down to see the staff and they were lovely and said, are you sure you're okay? And I mean, one of the members of the staff did say, you look a lot better. You're not as flushed and as hot as you looked last night. So I had a bit of chat with the staff, which was nice. Clapped a few people coming in. It was nice just to be there at the end. It was sad to not have been there finishing myself, but nice to see other people coming in. And then, of course, we waited until John came in, uh, Jane came across and then John coming in, we was going to stay and wait until John came in and then before we headed home uh, back up the country. So yeah. did you get a feel that you were part of it though by staying for that finish line and, and being a part of that? You talked a little bit earlier about being part of the team and, and part of, you know, seeing other people at the... the yeah, I think it's hard just to say, I mean, don't get us wrong, it wasn't easy, but at the same time it's hard just to say, right, I haven't done it, let's just jump in the car and go home, I think. I needed to stay that night. I mean, I wasn't feeling too well anyway, and I don't think it was wise to have driven home that night. And then we wanted to stay and see John finish anyway. And yeah, it is nice. You're still the, the lovely staff. It's a lovely environment, and uh, people do look after you, you know. So hard as it was, it was still nice to be there and see people coming in, and then obviously see John come in um, before we headed back home, you know. Yeah, you were well taken care of. Yeah. Good. So... We're going to move across to you, John. So I know that when you left Checkpoint 1, you'd actually done something I never, ever thought in a million years you would do. You actually walked with three other walkers. Now, if anybody knows my husband, he's the most antisocial walker in the whole wide world because he doesn't speak to anyone. Even when he out, goes out walking with me, he refuses to talk to me, which is why I talk to strangers. So what happened? How did this go? Did you plan it? Mm, no, I kind of conned into it really. <laughs> I'll be all happy now. As I came out of that checkpoint one, climbing up, as Andy said, it's quite a steep climb. There was a, a couple in front of us, um, and I kind of thought, all oh, right, okay. They, they they jumped out where they were in front of me. I caught them up, and we're going up the road. And actually, as before we left checkpoint one, there was a, a, a weather warning came in. So as the staff were saying, be careful, there's potential thunder and lightning storms, um, heavy rain forecasts, just see how you get on. 
So as, as I walked up the road, um, it started to rain. And my usual optimism, I kind of thought, ah, I don't need to put my waterproofs on. It's only going to be a shower. And this couple stopped. And I, as I walked past him, passing, I said, do you think it's in for the next few hours? He said, yeah, yeah, it's going to be wet. It's going to be wet, mate. And they were these Australians. They were, I went, all right, okay. I thought, great opportunity to get past them. Let them stop. I'll power on up the hill. Um, and, and then about a few hundred yards, it started pouring down. I thought, I better stop. Um, and I, I stopped, put my waterproofs on. And as they came past, they said, uh, it doesn't look good, does it? There's like thunder and lightning. Do you want to come over the next hill section together just really for safety? And I said, well, yeah, that's, that sounds a logical uh, thing. A little bit further up the road, we met another guy called Michael. So the, the couple were Karen and Greg um, from Melbourne, Australia. And then a little bit further on, we met a guy called Michael, who, who who was kind of he kind of stopped. He was a bit unsure what was what was going to happen with the weather, and uh, he said, "Can I join you as well?" So the four of us headed up over the hill. Um, as we were heading up with our waterproofs on, that's when we met Andy. It's a great story this because actually, as we got going, so I said, "Hi, Andy." As he went down, and uh, off we went. As we headed over the hill, it was absolutely throwing down like thunder and lightning, absolutely throwing down. And this guy said, what, what do you do? I said, oh, I run a business called GPS Training. He said, hey, I just watched one of those videos of GPS Training uh, last week. Is this guy going through his kit? <laughs> I said, oh, that was Andy. I said, that's the guy we just passed a few moments ago. Um, so that's, so it, was, it was quite interesting, actually, because he said, oh, it's brilliant, that. So we already hit it off quite quickly because uh, he, he watched the video with Andy the week before uh, and we headed off. It was just horrendous. The weather was horrendous. My feet were saturated. Um, and of course, it was like you no know, half past three at this point. It's still very much dark. Um, yeah, and we just, we powered through. And I, I, I stuck with these guys um, all the way to Gargrave. Um, and turned into some quite good friends. We actually met Jane at uh, Lathersdale Pub. So it's a bit of a, we didn't know this. It, it turned into a fundamental part of GPS training this pub, was it? Um, I, I planned to meet Jane then. I thought I'd be there about 12, did I say? Yeah, about 12 o'clock. And then I messaged you a little bit early. So I think you're going to get there a little bit early. Um, and I, I got there, it was about 10 o'clock, was it? was it? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock yeah, in the yeah. morning. So as I came down, I could see Jane down because he dropped down to the pub. I could see Jane down there. And there was the other people with her. And I went, that's a bit odd. But I thought, hey, my wife just talks to anybody. She's maybe befriended some other poor, suspected individual. <laughs> and it was really nice because I was actually my daughter and her boyfriend and Trudy the dog and had come to see me. Because it was actually Father's Day, wasn't it, that day? Yeah. So Jane had done a bit of a surprise. Uh, so I, I was met by... Um, by Jane and my wife, which next to me, and then also my daughter and uh, her boyfriend and things. So that was really nice. And we just sat, the pub wasn't actually open, sadly, so we sat down there, sorted our feet out, bit of a catch up, and they wouldn't let us go in to get anything to eat or drink. Yeah, I tried my best to get them to open, but they weren't having it, were they? No. So it was, it was a really nice. No, Lois being really, my daughter was being, she's a daughter, she's in her mid 20s. Uh, or our daughter, uh, she been you no. Know, she sent some really nice messages. You know, she was quite proud of what I was achieving. So it was quite really nice to see her. So well done, Jane, for su- organising a surprise You're for welcome. me. You're <laughs> welcome. And I ended up yeah, as you approached, uh, and I went over and gave you a hug. And one of the other walkers was like, "Oh, I thought you were going to hug me." So I ended up having to hug more than just you because I couldn't leave anybody out. 
If everybody's seen the video, that was the video that was done. There's a video, there's a couple of videos, and there's a video of me walking into outside that pub and Jane hugging both myself and Michael, who was the guy I was walking with. You'll see my daughter walk down the road to meet me with a with a dog. So that was that that was with the video because I think it's a boyfriend did that and she filmed yeah. that as as a as and we you came. Should be very in. grateful that I had to get your daughter out of bed extra early that morning and send her a frantic message to say you need to get up now because your dad is two hours ahead of schedule. And that's some feat in itself. Yeah, so it's good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was nice. We pushed on from there. I, I, I was, you no know, like, we got to Gargrave, you no know, about four o'clock in the afternoon, um, maybe a little bit early, half three, four o'clock. There's the co-op there, people don't know, so I managed to get some lunch there, restock, you know, got some juice. There was the, the, the spine team where they had a cup of coffee, which was really good. But I felt I, I was tiring. I was, I've been up since, you no know, really up since, you no know, half two. Um, it was now you no know, five o'clock in the afternoon. I was tired, um, so I said to those guys, "No, like get yourself ahead of me." Uh, they 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 had this idea that they could finish in the early hours of the morning. They were thinking it would be finished by four or five o'clock in the morning. I kind of said, "I, I won't be finished by then." Um, so I, I kind of let them get away, uh, and that enabled me just before Malham. Uh, to get my head down, I literally did a 20 minute power nap in the field. I could see the rain was again coming in. It, so it turned into this nice afternoon, and he was talking about sun was out, you know, dried out, and it was beautiful. You no, know, everything was dry, and I kind of I knew the rain was coming back in again. So I thought I'd just lie down, got a bit of a power nap in the field for 20 minutes just before Malham. Uh, I thought I'd get some sleep before my um, before my uh, before before the rain came in. Uh, yeah, and then. Um, met Jane again at Malham, you came to Malham, yeah. uh, I'd been the end of one of my reckeys, I'd done recce um, and finished at Malham, we actually stayed there when I did the recce, so you kind of came out at, we were about six-ish was it? it was, yeah, it was about half past six, so when Andy was going, was back at the pub where I'd met you earlier on in the day, I actually drove out to Malham and I met you there, and we walked a little section together. Just walked up, yeah, up the road there, Towards up the to yeah, up to Malham Cove and the yeah. limestone pavement. But the big question is, when you got to the top of the cove and walked on towards the town, was the ice cream van there? Sadly not. Oh. When we wrecked that, there was an ice cream van there. I was thinking, oh, we're really nice. It's quite, it's quite surreal because when you've wrecked something in, in, in a glorious bank holiday weekend with the sun shining, all these hordes of people around. And when we walked up there on the Saturday. There was loads of tourists around. When I went up around Malantarn on the race, it was pouring down with rain. Uh, there was not a soul. And there was no ice cream van. Well, and it there was, was a, a soul because bleak. I spoke, had a lovely chat with a lady as you walked away. I found another person to talk to. Had a nice conversation. You hunt those people out, don't you? So, so you got up the cove, or 400 steps. 400 steps, apparently so. Uh, and you went on towards the tarn. So. Yeah. And the tarn is a, is a soft checkpoint? Yeah, so it's checkpoint one and a half, they call it. So it's a soft checkpoint. So around Malham Tarn, it's absolutely a bucketing down. And people saw a picture. I did a picture at the top of Malham on the limestone pavement. Felt really fresh and had the waterproofs on. Felt really quite confident about it. Literally got a few hundred yards further up and it absolutely threw it down. Waterproofs back on and off away. Head down to uh, Malham Tarn, checkpoint one and a half. And I was greeted uh, there, fantastic uh, little checkpoint. It's literally just a couple of seats. There was three staff there, medic and a couple of volunteers. Um, uh, had, me, had me tea there, had another cup of coffee, had two cups of coffee. 
um, and sat there going, I don't want to go back out in that. No, try to dry out, but it, there's no way I'm going to dry out. And the water literally was coming in the door. I've never seen anything like it. Um, yeah, it was a, yeah. And I, 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 if you'd looked at my original spreadsheet of what I was planning to do, I was hoping to get north of there and get a few hours sleep. And I, and I, I, a, I didn't feel I needed it, but there was no way I could potentially sleep. There was a bird hide there, which I kind of thought potentially I could have slept in, but I thought I just need to just get going. It was still light, get going before before the uh, the, the dark came in. And off I headed across what's called Fountains Fell, uh, which people don't know, kind of a high area there. Um, yeah, it was a little bit, the, the rain kind of eased a little bit. Uh, so we're talking nearly now, no half seven till midnight or heading towards midnight. Rain eased a little bit. I was shattered. There's no two ways about it. I was absolutely um, shattered. Um, strange, a couple of strange things happened. You know, I remember passing a tent, which I thought was a bit odd, um, like a, a, a tent. And I kind of thought, well, this is not odd because actually somebody's walking the Pennine Way. They'll um, camp next to where the, the path was. Um, but that kind of played on my mind a little bit, you know, for the next hour or so. And, and I kind of thought, started imagining seeing people. So I just saw some cairns up on the top and I thought, is that something up there? And as you walk, I, I thought it was moving. So I thought, what do I do? You know, to say something to this person. But again, when I got near, it was just a, a pile of stones. Um, so uh, yeah, it was a bit spooky. As I dropped down to uh, what's called Rainscar Road, uh, just before I started my big climb up to Penny Ghent, there's actually a vehicle down there, Spine Challenger staff, just saying, you're the last person coming over there tonight by the looks of it. Is everything okay? Do you want any water? I didn't need any water. Uh, and I kind of thought, right, I'd push up and uh, bag Penny Ghent. I climbed up. I was absolutely shattered. So this is like midnight. I've been up since, well, I've been walking since you no know, three o'clock in the morning. Had one 20-minute power nap. I kind of thought, I'm a little bit of a liability to myself here. So just before I started my big push-up onto Penny Ghent, I had another power nap, another 20-minute power nap. Put my hat on, put my gloves on. I knew I'd walked this route a number of times, uh, guided a number of times. So I knew it fairly well. You no know, knuckle down, got a 20-minute power nap. And it was, it, was, it was beautiful. Waking up from that was absolutely brilliant and I kind of woke up fresh clear ready to uh, tackle um, Penny Ghent uh, and, and, and again if people see my videos that was me on the top of Penny Ghent it was a it was a scramble up you now in the dark I know I know it very very well I've guided up there I'm actually guiding up there again in August uh, for other business shepherds walks holidays I've been up there with my my son when he was young I, my dad took me up there when I was in my early 20s um, I've guided up there and know that very, very well. But even going up somewhere like that in the dark, you still start to doubt yourself. And I kind of, you had these few negative thoughts of like, what happens if you, know, you slip here? Because it is a scramble up onto Penny Ghent. So I was there, yeah, I was relieved when I hit the top, uh, which was two o'clock in the morning. Two o'clock in the morning, hit the top and made my way back down to Hotland and Ribblesdale. Um, yeah, long descent, mind playing. Um, tricks with me really trying to convince me I wasn't where I was even though I knew exactly where I was um, and then interesting thing was about you know four o'clock the the winner of the official of the full spine race overtook me uh, really was he was he American Andy I don't know he didn't, he, the guy who won in the end is he, he didn't have an English accent did no, he no I should know um, he, um, I, he did 77 hours wasn't he he was just yeah. it was quite funny I was sat, sat at a bench just regrouping just before I dropped into Hotton's Riversdale and this guy came really fast and uh uh, I said, bye, you look fresh than what I did. And keep you actually stopped and we had a bit of a chat. I mean, this, the, the winner of the spine race. I think he was just relieved to see somebody as well. So we had a bit of a chat. 
and uh, he said he'd been just power napping next to the trail and things and he was lovely and cheerful um, he came across as a very chilled uh, he was cool yes. you know puts us all to shame you know those of us feeling sorry for ourselves <laughs> and he was brilliant and, and, and that was quite quite interesting really because again that was about four o'clock never thought much about it then dropped down into the village of Horton and Riversdale uh, you know just just after four o'clock in the morning and uh, next thing is the the official spine camera crew or the camera guy on his little skateboard with his because uh, he I didn't realize had this big this skateboard with big wheels on or one big wheel uh, and he kind of came next to me and did some video footage of me and and that was that ended up on the official spine video at the end of that day which was nice and I always think he, he only did me because I was 20 minutes behind the leader of the spine race I don't think he was camping I was at 20 past four to to catch up with me so yeah they kind of they managed to edit that down into a bit of sense I was a bit confused and I thought I made no sense there with what I said uh, but they managed to edit that down um, which is it and then yeah then the long haul there do you know it was a long haul from Horton's Riversdale um, all the way to the end so I kind of it, I thought I'd get there you no know, 11-ish 12-ish I got there at four minutes past 12 hard hard like it's it was hard that last section was hard you know I made mistakes you no know, I didn't have enough food really I kind of because I thought I'd finish a little bit earlier I should have you no know, stocked up with more food at Gargrave. You no, know, I hadn't. Yeah, I ate at Gargrave. Had my evening meal. Then I didn't really eat much after. I had a few nuts, a few snacks, and things. But in hindsight, I should have bought something at Gargrave for me to eat. You know, for, really for breakfast that day. But I just kind of found an energy gel. You know, gave me a bit of a glucose boost, and 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 yeah, just kind of didn't drink a lot. Um, just kind of kept powering on. A few people overtook me the last you no know, five or six miles, but hey. That's the way it is, and I actually ran into the finish. You did. Uh, so I'm kind of a, yeah. I don't know if I should tell you why I ran into the finish. Should I tell you why I ran into the finish? I'll be honest. I should be honest. Yeah. I tell you what, is as I was like, you kind of go through Hawes and, and and follow the official trail. Then I kind of jumped onto like you cross the river and then you follow the trail. It was the right trail. I'd follow the GPX file, and as I was just not far off the finish, I was maybe about half a mile. I saw two fellow spine challenger races cutting through a gate to my left-hand side. I thought, they've cheated. They've cut off the corner. And I was absolutely mortified. I thought, I've not seen anybody behind me for ages. And then suddenly these two jump on. I thought, ah, no way are they going to beat me when they've cut off the corner. So that's why I thought, I need to just look athletic at this point. So I ran the last half mile in. Um, and yeah, it was great. You no. Know, my dear wife, Jane, was there to greet me over the line and people seen the picture of uh, my exhaustion as I, I crossed the line. Andy was there and Mike, which is fantastic. Yeah. And um, are you going to say the words I said as I crossed the line? <laughs> or not? I don't think you should. I don't think they're peaceable. <laughs> yeah, I was quite relieved. I was quite relieved. Uh, my exact words were, I effing did it. Yeah. And then my next words were, if I ever say I'm going to do anything like this again, Make sure I don't. Make sure I don't. Sure I don't. It was a stupid idea that was. Yeah. That was my exact words. Which was just, I think it was just fatigue in the. Do you think? <laughs> think? In the moment. In the moment. Now, you've had, a, now you've had a week to think about it. You've changed your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, it, was, it was a really lovely finish. Yeah. You, you were absolutely exhausted. Um, just all the emotion came out of you coming across that finish line. Um, I, I was so proud of you. 
just but the, the whole I think you had half of the staff there in tears as well there's everybody else around you you know yeah I think it's Andy's already it's, it's an emotional it's emotional you're giving everything and I'm I'm, I'm I'm a firm believer in you're like giving you're giving everything with what I do. Do you know if I'm going to do something, I'll give it everything. Same as running my business, I'll give everything to it. Often the detriment of people around me, as, as Jane will rightly say, do you know, I, I'm kind of if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it and give it everything, and that's what I do. I, I have massive respect for people who put their lives on the line and give often their life for for duties and stuff. So I, I, I kind of it's nice to do that. It's nice to give everything you've got into something and 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 therefore when you in in my case when I cross the line there's a lot of emotion there because you, you you're physically exhausted you've given it everything and 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 I've not slept for you no know, I had what 40 minutes sleep in in you know 20 what is it 30 hours no it's just over 30 hours since I left the checkpoint I had 40 minutes sleep I was I was fatigued I was hungry um, I, I was craving my, my fizzy drinks and things, caffeine. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was an emotional. Um, and I picture that. You know, when I'm when I'm doing anything, I always picture. You know, with my other hobbies, I always mentally picture what I, I need to achieve. You know, I kind of um, I, I I do this. You know, my other hobbies, people most be know, you know, track days on my bikes. I, I envisage. I can. I'm very. I can see tracks in my mind. I can see what's ahead of me when I've wrecked something. I can see. So yeah, I, I kind of. Imagine that field. We'd been there before in one of my reckies, so I kind of knew what to expect. Yeah, it was a it was a great, great, great end. And and as, as Andy's already said, and and Jay and the staff were absolutely brilliant. They at the were end. amazing. Uh, we got whisked away into a little tent. Got fed. Got watered. Had some. Got your medal. Got my medal. Got my t-shirt. Got my certificate. Got my cheese chili con carne with cheese on the top. <laughs> um, yeah. And that was me, and I, I was, I was done. I was done. I was absolutely done. Um, Jane can tell you a story, but I got into the car. I was asleep within thirty seconds, wasn't I? John actually <laughs> fell asleep mid-sentence. He was actually talking away, and then stopped, and I turned to see why he'd stopped, and he was fast asleep mm-hmm. in the middle. And I've never known you do that before. Um, and slept the half-hour journey back to where we were staying for the night got him into the, the caravan and, and then you slept for four hours, woke up, had a shower, had something to eat and then you slept for 14 hours solid, um, which I've, I've just never known you do that before and I think, I mean, we're a week later now but you're still, a week and a half later and you're still not really caught up properly, you're still, you know, sleeping a lot, eating and drinking a lot as well. Um, trying to get those calories back in. Mm-hmm. So, some facts and figures, because I love my facts yeah. and figures, is average just over two miles an hour. So, including my stops, average just over two miles an hour, which is a phenomenal, uh, really pleased with that. Um, include, if you're taking my checkpoint one out, um, e.g., I had a watch on, I paused my watch when I went to checkpoint one, brought it out. If you take that out, I did 2.32 miles uh, an, an hour average uh, with my fastest mile. Being a four point three six miles per hour, I don't know what that was. Wow. Um, and yeah, so average one hundred eighteen beats per minute on my watch. So it kind of shows, like you know, you, you, all the whole period. That's a, a fair old heart rate to to have a has an average uh, when you take out my checkpoint one stop um, there. So yeah, I was I was pleased, including if you take out my checkpoint forty six. Uh, 
46 hours and four minutes uh, when you take out the, I think that must be taken out the checkpoint. It must be, wasn't yes, it? Yeah. Taking out your stop That's taking out my stop with checkpoint uh, one. So yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. Um, it was so hard, not two ways about it. It was certainly hard. Glad I did my preparation. Glad I understood what was ahead of me. Um, and yeah, that, that was me done. So what would you do differently if you were, if you had the chance to go back and do it a different again because you're not going to do it again are you John but if you did I I yeah I I, I what did I, I would eat better gar grave to the end I thought was I, I kind of think I'm nearly there so I, I don't need to prepare I'm kind of getting there so actually I should have carried me through that's stupid why I was in the cold why did I just buy a couple of extra pork pies why did I buy extra pie? I had the food people don't know I carry my food in my in a, in a, in a pouch around the front uh, like a bum bag but around the front so by the time I got there, there was plenty of space in there. Why didn't I just buy a pie and put it in there? Why didn't I just buy um, some chocolate bars and put it in there? Like, stupid. Actually, I don't know why. Um, and it's funny because Michael, I was still with at the time, he said, have you got, have you got enough food for the next bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he offered me a, a cookie and I turned it down because I, I thought I was I was sorted. So I did that wrong. Um, I don't know. I, I suffered a little bit with my feet because my feet were soaking wet. Um, and then that's why I got I got some blisters. Again, I should have changed my socks a little bit more later on. But but all I can say is I was hoping to get there by five o'clock. I had an eight o'clock cut off and I got there at lunchtime. So I kind of I exceeded my expectations. So I'm not going to go back to do things that I could do this better. I could do that, but I don't I don't need to. I've, I've, done, I've done it, and therefore that's that me ticked off. And um, I'm not going to go back to uh, to to potentially do that section from there to there uh, because actually there's so many stars just have to line up. There's so many like walking with these people. They help me. I've spoke to a number of people who've done this event before, and they kind of they say they met the right people at the right time. The right thing happened at the right time, and and that that kind of happened to me. Um, so I'm not going to go back and 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 do my last 20 miles better. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the whole experience. Thoroughly enjoyed the experience of preparing for it all my reckies we had some great weekends away long weekends away it was no i i, I wouldn't yeah I, I wouldn't do anything differently enjoyed the friends that I built on 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 the trail um yeah and and yeah that's that's my spine challenger race ticked good so that leads me very nicely on to my final question which is what is next for you both so John, you told us you tick that off. You're never ever going to do that again. So that again. What are you going to do next? She says with trepidation in her voice. To me or Andy first. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you first, John, to get it out the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, what am I going to do next? We'll see. Oh. We'll oh. see. We'll see. Do you know what? I think as Andy's kind of already touched on this. Do you know? There's a lot of sacrifice goes into training for an event like this. Now you hear the podcast, you you hear this, this the nice side of it, you hear the sad side of it. But there's a lot of sacrifice that Andy's gone through, I've gone through. Do you know, you have to be quite selfish to do this, um, and and I can be that if I want to be. Um, you know, we've spent a lot of times away. Do you know, I did my first recce September, October last year. We did the Yorkshire. I did that last section, I think. I'm looking at Jane. She's nodding at me. And on a podcast doesn't make any sense. But anyway, <laughs> I'm trying I, to think. I, I, I walked I, I walk the last 26 miles then. We, we've spent a, a weekend away. Um, 
um, when I did the first 52 miles or the first 50, uh, 48 miles, sorry. Then we spent another weekend away when I did a section to Malham, which was a 33 mile section. So a lot of sacrifice there, um, in there. And, and the training, you know, my training walks I've done down the Northumberland coast, you know, Jane just picked me up and, and moved me around. Um, and, and, and yeah, I kind of, your initial thought is, yeah, thank you to you guys. Or thank you for doing it, Jane. And, and uh, that's appreciated. And actually, do you want to go and put someone else do that again to do it? I, I, I said this actually to a customer yesterday as well. It's you know, like, I'm immensely proud of the business we've set up. And it, I do take my eye off the business when I was preparing for yeah. this. Um, we've been through a lot. Personally, we've built a new business premises. We've um, preparing for this race. And actually, in the weeks leading up to it, no, I, I am distracted. Me and Andy are chatting in the office about the spine race, and that is that is the main thing in our priority. And 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 I, I hope no, yeah, I, the business has suffered a little bit for that. Um, and I'm, I've got enormous respect. It's my duty in this world to to look after the, the six member staffs we have and 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 keep the business rolling. And if I, my mind is wandering on what is my next little personal um, endeavour. There's, there's some responsibility there. You know, my, my, my duty is to this business and make it succeed. And therefore, I, 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 there's that there's that there. So there's both my my loyalty to the wife and the support and also to the business as well. So so I, I've got to reconsider. What I do, if I do anything, I've got to you know, think long and hard about it. I would, <laughs> would really like to do the Spine Challenger North, which is the ne- next section from uh, Hard Roar up to uh, Yetham. I'd really like to do that. Whether I do it next year or whether I do it the year after, I'll just see. At this moment in time, I'm not committing myself. Um, it'd be easier for us to recce or us to recce because, yeah, me to recce because actually it's nearer it's home. home. Yeah. It's longer, so it's a next step up. So that's a nice challenge there. Um, but again, I, I, we, we've got we've got some nice things planned for the next few weeks and things so we're kind of going back into our normal lives a little bit yeah, I say that be nicely because because it's been me 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 as we've been building up to this and now we've got Let's some be us, 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 we've been us, us, us for a little while we've got a nice weekends away doing <clears throat> other things other than walking and 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 once we get over that we'll kind of regroup and and see what this but I would like to do that again I'm booked on to a, a, a challenge event in September and is as well in August September is it September Achieve it challenge, miles. 22 miles. So we're booked on that. Just going to keep my fitness up. Really looking forward to that. Um, and and we'll see. But I, I, as Jay says, I'm 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 shattered. Um, I gave it everything. I, I'm not I'm not out walking. I'm not out running. I'm just I'm just not that run anyway. But I'm just I'm just recouping and enjoying and just recovering and um, getting my my head back into the business and making sure that that is going forward and. And a firm footing for yeah. us. So, fingers crossed, I'll do something. I've not made any plans. Not imminent, um, yeah, I, I will consult with my dear wife first, as we all should do. That's the right answer. <laughs> Andy, what have you got planned? What's, what's well, um, like John said, it's a lot of commitment and time, and you know, family as well when you're away from them training. I really need, I think, to put this to bed and get it done. Um, it's whether I leave it a year or not. Um, chat to my wife and I've got a daughter at home and other family and that you, you, you are away doing loads of training it, you know it takes a lot of time you can't just go and do a few little hikes and I'll be back in a couple of hours you, you put a lot of work and effort into it but I know my family I mean they're brilliant they know that I need it 
you know, I need to do it for me. It's like a mental health thing. It's a, it's in my head. I mean, the Montaigne's such an amazing event. It sort of gets you under the skin. And I, I, whatever I need to do it again, I need a third attempt. I, it could well be next year. And um, that's something I'll talk about at home. What I'm planning to do is not, in theory, stop the training. Where a lot of people, I've got this event planned in a year's time. I'm going to train for it. And then it's right. You know, me and John love going out walking and hiking anyway. So it's not that we're going to stop doing that, but you sort of slow down a bit and think, well, that's that big event. I'm not necessarily planning anything next year. But my plan is keep the training going as if now I am doing it next year and keep training. So like John's got, we're both doing the Cheviot Challenge for the Mountain Rescue in September. I've signed up to a half, again, these are smaller events, but a half marathon at Kielder in October, Great North Run in September. I'm also planning in September to do St Cuthbert's Way, just self, on my own, not so organised event, non-stop over, say, 30 hours, the 62 miles St Cuthbert's Way. So it's really keep going and then later in the year, I mean, you don't have to sign up for the Montaigne Summer Spine Challenge. It comes out, if I remember, in the summer in August time didn't sell out this year so really it's not like in august i have to say right am i doing it sign up i can leave it a few months chat with the family because it is unfair on them you know you've got, i know they'd want us to do it again but it's just really do i give it a year i don't think my mind will let me give it a year i think i will have to go again next year but then again it's unfair just to be selfish and make that decision myself so we'll chat and at home and see what we come up with so could be next year third time lucky but I will be doing it again regardless. It's under your skin and they're just amazing people and it's an amazing event. And So one way or the other, I'll be back doing it. A lot of bribery for the wife and lots of chocolates yeah. and flowers. <laughs> it is. And I've got friends who have helped us tirelessly as well with training and, you know, like my neighbour driving us around and friends who have come and walked during the night with us when I've been doing nighttime events. They're all sort of helping out, but especially the family because you're away. A lot. It's not even so much the event because, yeah, we're away a few days, but, you know, a few days in a year, but it's that all that months and months and months and months, well, a year before, constantly, like, this weekend, what are you doing when I'm going out? What are you doing next weekend when I'm going out on a run or a long hike? Because we've got to put that training in. And I think, you know, for me doing it, if I was going to say, what could you do better? I can train harder. I want to be, I was ahead of myself, but I want to be ahead of myself a little, to give myself that leeway if it gets took because I haven't got to the section you've got to. I, I, I know I got further the year before, but I think tra- you can train harder and take on board things people have said about the food. And I mentioned about what might have went wrong, things like electrolytes, making sure I've got more electrolytes to take and putting other things in the water and just being a bit more conscious of what I'm doing with water and food. So I think you can, you can always learn and get better at the end of the day. So that's the plan. So it will be it will be a take three for me. Regard, I can tell you that a hundred percent. It's just whether it's next year or a year after. And we'll be there to cheer you over the line, Andy. Thank you. Certainly. And will. I bet you have the same words I do when I say, <laughs> <laughs> "I'll never do that's that again." Good. Yeah, but no, it it gets under your skin. Yeah. I mean, I've got a friend, a really good friend, who got me to do the first one, and they're in the same situation. May it be third time looking. I know they're really, really keen, and if it hadn't been for them. I would have never even found out about this. I think you already knew about it, but we'd never really mm-hmm. talked about it years ago. I didn't know until my friend Jane mentioned it. And how she really, I mean, not sure again if it's going to be this year or next year, wants to go again. So that's given me motivation as well to be able to train together and have someone who got me into it 
in the first place. And I'm really pleased. I know so, I'm pleased they did because I, I, mm-hmm. I think as a mental health thing and just it, it helps. And I, it's crazy to think um, there'll be people out there who suffer with various, you know, whether it be mental health or things. And you think doing something is challenging where there's a good, not not necessarily a good chance you could have to drop out. It, it did have a big dropout rate. You think, is that not going to make your health worse in regards to mental health? But surprisingly, it doesn't. I, I don't know what it is. It's like giving yourself something to really focus on. And then I know not everyone will find it as easy just to say, geez, that, that's happened again. I'm going to have to pick the pieces up and go again. But I don't know. It, it keeps me focused. And I actually find it quite, in a crazy way, quite good, you know. Quite motivating. It's uh, funny. So there's nothing, there's nothing. Everyone's different. You know, I, I always say in my life, there's nothing better than not achieving it, knowing that you can go out and do it. You yeah. know, I, I always say the biggest motivator in my life has been when somebody says, I can't do it. I actually go out and do it. And that's the biggest motivator. <laughs> so it's, it's for, uh, drop out. Was there half the people? What was the number? Of I think, I mean, I'm not hundred percent, but I think we had, cause quite a low start in the end. Cause people who didn't get to the start, so it shows you actually just getting the start a challenge. I have a feeling, I mean, we'll have to, should have checked these figures, but I think it was about 58 started and 30 possibly dropped out. I might be wrong. I mean, someone might correct you on that, but it is something along those lines. I don't think we're far off with those figures, you mm. know, and it would have been a right mixture. I mean, I did notice, you know, I was looking at, you know, when you're looking at what could I have done better, what have other people done, how, what's caused other people to drop out. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm looking to, help, you know, people will comment on the social media pages, what went wrong. And I, I learned from other people's mistakes as well. And there did seem to be quite a few people who've done some amazing fast times getting to that checkpoint one, a lot faster than me. But I think it was heat. And I'm sure I saw some comments from other people where it was potentially similar symptoms to me, where is that heat and even talking about too much water? I might be wrong. I just, you know, you read that many comments, but I have a feeling there was a few other comments along those lines, you know. But I'm not, it's a funny one. You think, well, you've you've had to drop out again for the right reasons you're going to be i mean i was very deflated and you know you do get upset about it but i think it's just that i think even on the drive home with me nearby i was already planning in my head right what's part three gonna what's take three gonna be like so it didn't it hasn't put us off you know and it's just to keep going you know it's good it's been fascinating listening to you both going through it all the highs the lows the good bits the funny bits the not so funny bits yeah but it's been good to, to share your story. So thank you both very much. And can I say a big thank you, everybody, to sponsors, both myself and Andy. I know we both had Just Giving pages, oh, yes, which you. is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, we're actually going to do a presentation of the check to Mountain Rescue, I think, in the next week or two. That's been planned, thankfully, by somebody within the business. So I don't know when that is. Um, unbelievable. Thank you so much. Very motivating. Um, I know it's hard times for everybody, so we really appreciate both Annie and myself. I mean, you gave yeah. any money to us. And it is like, there were thousands and thousands of pounds that yeah. were given for these two great charities. So thank you. And I know even people pop checks in the posters and things. I know they, they, they've gone off to the various charities this week. So again, some people don't want to buy things, pay online for charities. So really, really appreciate it. And also, we had some great like we spoke to customers on the phone since we're being back etc all want to know how we've done a lot of people followed us on social media both of us on social media and know again those people commented I actually answered a few of them on the route didn't tell you were quite amazed <laughs> a few yes, customers on the route um, to, to uh, asking a few questions so uh, yeah massive massive we, we knew you guys were all dot watching 
uh, really quite humbling uh, and it kind of kept us it, some lovely comments coming through fantastic. from people all over I mean that was great I saw a lot of the comments coming through and it does keep you going mm-hmm. so it's all good stuff so then James how are you going to finish off the podcast or are you going to finish off or would you like me to finish off the I'll podcast? let you finish off because it is your podcast I shall hand it back <laughs> over to you let you take ownership okay and finally and finally many thanks for joining us on this month's GPS training podcast and thank you to my dear wife Jane for hosting this I know she's amazingly busy herself within the business if people don't know Jane manages the holiday part of the business uh, which is a different part than what Andy and I work in it's opposite ends of the office and uh, I kind of pitched the idea early in the week that she needs to do it and uh, she's had a busy week and, and that's why we're doing it at four o'clock on a Thursday <laughs> uh, rather than uh, earlier in the week when we, we should have been doing it if there's anything you'd like to cover in future podcasts please don't hesitate to get in touch ask us anything and if you do are thinking about buying outdoor GPS units or you are wanting to come on one of our GPS training courses, please do get in touch with ourselves at GPS Training. So Andy and Jane, thank you for joining us again on another emotional GPS training podcast. Um, we'll be talking about this this time next year, Andy. Yeah. You, we'll be talking about it this time next year, will we? If it's not the Montaigne, it'll be something else. But no, um, I've... It's hard to say yeah. much of this space, but I'm going to continue training, like I said, you know, I'm not, it's a case of not, I've been on the first couple of little runs and trying to start building up, I think, out this Sunday on a 14, 15 mile through the hills and then just gradually build up again and keep going. I'm amazed by your dedication, Andy. I'm absolutely dumbstruck. Andy comes back and he's there like, out training. Sadly, I'm going to, not sadly, we're going to Will Superbike this weekend, track days the next weekend. No no running, no walking. I walk the dog every night, and that's it. And uh, yeah, I kind of. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm having a month just to to chillax, and mm-hmm. Andy's up early in the morning going out for his run. Dedication. That's dedication, so. Andy. Yeah, with dedication. So good on you, and fingers crossed you get there. So again, if there's anything we can help you with going forward, please don't hesitate to get in touch. And again, many thanks, Jane and Andy, for joining me, or or we were joining Jane on this month's GPS training podcast. Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.